or would we rather just gather the matter after we scatter? And lately that's the question I've been asking myself. Like truly will I bear my cross and die to myself? We claim Christ to be risen. Isn't this what makes us different? So then why is it in life? Good morning. morning. Come on, good morning. morning. It's not time to be quiet now. Well, in a way it is, but you know what I'm saying. Anybody excited about the word this morning? Good, let's hope you stay excited. Here's the quote this morning. It comes from Paul in 1 Corinthians 9. And Paul says it plainly. He says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Father, we just ask for your power, for your anointing, God. We ask you, God, that, that the, the, prepare the speaker and the listener, God. Prepare the heart and the mind, Lord God. Prepare us to receive your word. Father, I ask you to convict the comfortable and comfort the convicted, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, all right, we started a series on the book of 1 Corinthians back in September. It is December. We've been dealing with this book for over 10 sermons now. Wow. We're only up to chapter 8. And we've talked about everything from church life to living an abundant life to living right in a wrong world to, to God's definition of right living to finding love. And now that we found love, what are we going to do with it? We've talked about love and marriage and sex and singles and sex and more sex and, and, and good sex and bad sex and right sex and wrong sex. I got somebody's attention now. And although, listen, it's been a difficult journey to preach through, I love it because it is so relevant. Paul is speaking to the church in the city. And we are what? A church in the city. Amen? And so, but, but so far, if we, if we back off away from the text a little bit and see things from, from far away, we'll see a theme so far in the book of 1 Corinthians. And the theme is obvious. The theme is unity. Paul is talking to the church and he's saying it has to be about unity. It has to be about fellowship. We need to be thoughtful of one another. We need to be mindful of one another. So far, all of 1 Corinthians is all about learning to be one body. And learning how that one body should function and take care of itself to be healthy. Why? So that God can add to the body. Because how many of you know healthy bodies grow better? <clears throat> Are we awake? Did I put you to sleep already? Healthy bodies grow. Can we brighten everything up? Everything seems dark in here. Healthy bodies grow better. They grow stronger. Let me, let me tell you, from a pastor perspective, it's so much easier pastoring a church of 30 or 40 like we started than pastoring a church of 300. But what I'm learning and seeing right before my very eyes is that, you know, through His Word and His grace, when the body works together, not against each other, then it's easier. Amen? 
See, when we work together, then the mouth doesn't have to do what the hands were called to do. And the hands aren't trying to move the body around because the legs are keeping the body balanced. And the feet are moving it forward and the eyes are watching and the ears are listening. And then God leads, the Spirit speaks and the body follows. It's a beautiful thing. Amen? See, I, I believe we're going to see and understand better as we keep going through this and that, that this is the theme that Paul is presenting here. And even more important, this is the will of God for the church in the city. That we would work together. We really need to get this. Listen, I'm going to go deep right now. Heavy theological revelation from the Spirit of God. Amen? You ready? See, because I, I hear of so many of you, you, you want to go deeper, right? You want to learn more. You want to grow more. You want to study more. You want to take more classes. You want more training. A a anybody here? Right? I know that that's like a theme going around. I know people are buzzing about that, right? But listen, there's nothing wrong with all that. We should want all that. However, Paul is dropping on us here in these letters, and, and you know, he's really getting at it. By far, he's dropping this deepest theological framework, dealing with the most serious of issues, the foundation that needs to be at the very core of desiring more knowledge, of desiring to grow and becoming mature. The source of it has to be, at its very center, love. It has to be love for God and love for one another. Otherwise... You're full of it. Can, can I be real with you? Right? Otherwise, you're just going to get full of it, and you're not going to be about it. Right? So it has to have at its very center love for God and love for one another. John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. Family, listen, I, I may not be a lot of things. I realize that. I might not be the smartest theologian. I might not be the most studied. I might not be the deepest thinker. I might not be the best communicator. I might not be the best preacher you've ever heard. But there is one thing that I can boast about. There's one thing that I'm proud about that, that I can boast on is this, that I love people. I love people. I love you guys. I tell my wife all the time, I say, you know, even, even sometimes we deal, we're talking about the hard issues, but, but I bring it back and say, oh no, but I love those people, man. I love that church. God has given us such incredible people. And listen, the reason I can boast about that is because that didn't come from me. The only reason I can brag about that and I can be excited to boast on it is because it did not come from me. Listen, I've told this story many times, but I know what it's like not to be loved. I know what it's like not to be liked. Amen? See, for some reason, growing up, there have always been people around me that don't like me. All my life. I grew up on 83rd and Amsterdam Avenue. Right now, that is very ritzy. It's very yuppie. A lot of bars. You know, very... Back then, it was all Dominicans. I was the only Puerto Rican. So I was the only one this color on the block. The Dominicans in the neighborhood hated me. 
They wanted any excuse to kick my butt up and down that street. I could never go home by myself. My friends always had to bring me home. It was that bad. For no reason, I didn't do anything to them. I didn't, nothing, I didn't have interaction. They just, one guy once just took, he threw a bottle at me. And, and you know, I was, I was with my, my boys at the time. You know, it was 80s, we was all thugs, you know. And I was with my boys at the time. And one of my guys says, yo, why'd you throw that bottle at him, man? And the guy said straight up, and I'll never forget this. He said, I just don't like him. And I was like, like inside my inner gangster wanted to get crazy, but, but that rocked my world. Like, dude, I don't even know you. And, and he, he's verbalized it. He said, I just don't like him. And kept walking. And, and that, I, I'm telling you, I'll never ever forget that. And so, so this was growing up, man. It's just everybody hated me there. Then I get to grammar school. I go to a Catholic grammar school. I've, I've told you the story before. I'm sorry if you're hearing it again. But for part of the seventh grade and for all of eighth grade, they were, you know, back in the 80s, everybody had a crew, right? How many of you had sweatshirts with the Roman letters? Whatever, whatever, crew. Right? Rocksteady crew, on that rocker crew, everything crew, bad boys crew, this crew, right? Well, in grammar, <laughs> I love your 80s people. <laughs> in grammar school, in grammar school, my hand to God, I'm, I'm lying, they had the I hate George crew. Why Alice is laughing so hard, I don't know. This hurts me, Alice. This makes me emotional, Alice. Man, I'm serious. There was an I hate George crew. And, and the guy that started it, he was like, he, he, like, he should have been in college. He was like, like this. He was a little guy, but he looked like Arnold. You know, he was a monster. And so naturally, ugly as all, you know. And, but so, so naturally, all the other guys did whatever he wanted. And so he started it so every guy was part of that crew. I didn't have one friend in, in those two years. Go ahead. Oh. Give me a Dito too. So, so, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but you know this is not a laughing matter, right? We hear all this talk about bullying today and cyberbullying and all that. I, I understand. I understand. There was the I Hate George crew. They had a symbol. You know how we everybody had name belts back then? Go ahead. Some of you still rocking them. Come on, man. Grow up already. All right. So back then, you take the name buckle and you'd hang it loose. And that meant in our school, because we were Catholic, so we still had to wear the uniforms. But this is the only like gang paraphernalia they could carry. And so if you rocked the, the belt hanging loose, you were part of the I Hate George crew. Everybody had the belt hanging loose. In the hallways, they had hand signals. When they would see me, they'd go, I Hate George. Why y'all laughing, though? You don't think that's serious? That hurts me, man. <laughs> so, so this was, I know all about this book. And so listen, man, I hated the Dominicans on my block. I'm sorry, my Dominican brothers here, don't feel bad. But y'all hated me. Y'all didn't hate you, you understand? It's not my fault, you know? And, and then, you know, at graduation, the guys at school, at graduation, what's that, the last day of school? That's when they wanted to, like, squash everything. Oh, yeah, man, it's all good. It's, no, it's not all good. I hope you get hit by trucks, all of you. 
all I hope you get hit slowly by you know that that you're born anyway you, you understand how I felt by the end of the year when they try to give me palm and be like everything's cool when all year it was you know I hate you I hate you I hate you now church so so na- naturally I should have been one of those candidates that go Columbine right I, I, you know, I had every every reason to, like, just go nuts and, and start doing craziness, right? But see, one day God got a hold of me. One day the grace of God hit me and none of that mattered. One day all of that just got erased. And ever since that grace, God has surrounded me with people that love me. And it's a beauty. Isn't it nice to be loved? Amen. Listen, I hope if you're not loved here by somebody, I hope you know that there are a lot of people here that love you. They might just not haven't met you yet. But, but as a matter of fact, can we do this exercise today before you leave here, love on somebody? Let's like make that an altar call right now. Before you leave here, love on somebody that you don't know. Because you know what? Sometimes people slip in and slip out and, and they don't get to meet anybody. And it's hard because, you know, you got your crew right here. You got your crew right here. The jumpers and dancers, the screamers and layer downs, the ones that make fun of Pastor George. You know, there's crews here. And so it's hard to get into those crews sometimes, you know. So if you're just a visitor, you don't know, am I a jumper, am I, am I a layer down, or am I a make fun of Pastor Joe? I don't know which one I'm in yet, you know? So can you kind of just bring some people, just don't let this group grow. Keep, keep everybody on this side, the new people, amen? So, so, so listen, ever since that grace, God has surrounded me with people that love me. And listen, there, there, there will always be discipline on everybody on that side. There will always be those that don't like you. Ain't that the truth? They're always going to be, and, 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 and be honest, when you open yourself up to love, there are always going to be those that will want to hurt you. And Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. There will be pain. There will be hurt. But what does he say? Love them anyway. Love them anyway. Listen, your love might not change everybody but it'll change some. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, in case you haven't noticed. That kind of love in a message titled, That I Might Save Some. Paul, Paul, Paul wasn't being unrealistic. He wasn't being flighty. He's, uh, I'm going to save everybody. No, that I might save some. And that has to be our heart, that, that, that we might be able to love some, that we might be able to affect some. Amen? See, Paul had some unforgettable quotes in these letters, and, and one of the best ones for me, one that I think I really understand, that I really feel like, you know, this one, I, I get it, man. It holds dear to me, and it's, it's that one. And let me read you that chapter real quick. Paul says in chapter 9, starting in 19, check it, make sure I'm not making this up. He says, though I am free and I belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. He says in 22, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. 
Wow. Let me give it to you in a, in a different version that kind of just lights it up. Listen to this. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. The religious, the non-religious, the meticulous moralist, the loose living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Don't get me wrong, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Isn't that a picture of the gospel? God becomes flesh, grows up as a baby. God could have come down as a man. He grows up as a baby. He lives in our flesh 30 years before he starts preaching. Isn't that crazy that some of us become, we're coming to church six months, and after six months we're already judging people? We're already saying, well, so if you get your life right together, if you have Jesus as your Savior, maybe, you know, your life will be different. Well, if you knew this and if you did, you know, we, we judge at six months we're in the skin, right? We're in the new creation. We're messing it up after six weeks. We're telling everybody who's wrong, who's right. You're going to hell. You're going to heaven. You might make it. I don't know about you, but Jesus, 30 years in our skin without, without condemning nobody, then started his ministry, lived it, became a part of us, then, then preached. That's a whole nother message. Amen. So let's move on into chapter eight. In chapter eight, he gives us a great example. Gary left off in in chapter seven. All the messages are online. By the way, we've been getting ridiculous hits, like three, four hundred hits. So thank you guys for for listening. And and, and it's awesome that that there's people everywhere, someplace from somebody, a friend or a cousin of somebody that's, that's listening to the word. Amen. That's encouraging. So moving on into chapter 8, he gives us this great example. He's talking about meat sacrificed to idols. Verse 8, he says, now, I mean chapter 8, verse 1, he says, now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know, but the man who loves God is known by God. So, again, Paul is dealing with some behaviors here. And he goes right to the heart of it. He's saying, listen, the way we behave is a reflection of what we believe. Did you know that? The way you behave should be a reflection of what you believe. If That's a whole other message. I can't get into it. You understand? Christian behavior should be founded on love, not knowledge. The goal of the Christian life is not knowledge, but love. Guzik says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. The difference between puffs up and edifies is the difference between a bubble and a building. Some Christians grow, others just swell. Verse 4, he says, so then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in this world and there is no God but one God. 
right? So he breaks it down for them. He says, listen, the, the bottom line is there's no such thing as another God. There's only one God. And so when food is sacrificed to all these false gods, nothing really happens to it literally, technically, because there is no false gods. So he's saying, you could eat that meat all day long. Like Abilene would say, all day. You could eat that meat all day because really there is no, 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 you know, technically there is no other gods. Verse 8, he said, and food does not bring us near to God. We're no worse off if we do not eat it and we're no better if we do. So he's saying technically, right, because our diet doesn't make us more or less holy before God. We'll read later that it's not what goes in that makes us holy, it's what comes out. So let's understand the context here. See, back then there was meat that was offered on pagan altars. And this meat was usually divided into three portions. And one portion was burnt in honor of that God. Another portion was given to the worshiper to take home and eat. And the third portion was given to the priest. If the priest or if the person didn't want to eat his portion, they sold it at the temple restaurant. So there were like cafes in these temples where people could go eat that meat. And the thing is, the meat sold in the temple stores was usually cheaper than the meat in regular stores. So you know Christians are always looking for a sale, right? They always want to find a bargain. So, so the Corinthian Christians were asking, since we don't really believe in these false gods, since they don't even technically exist, aren't we free to eat that meat? Right? It's a good question. And so Paul says, yeah, but, verse 9, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what was then sacrificed to idols? And so if this weak brother, so this weak brother from whom, for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. So when you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I'll never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. Paul is saying, yeah, technically you're free to do whatever you want to do. But if by doing this you're going to cause somebody else who in their heart and their convictions saying, if I eat this meat, I'm, I'm, this meat has been cursed and it makes me defiled, it's defiled. If he believes that, you're telling him, no, nah, it doesn't do that. that that's not, you're causing him to, to, to have a conflict. To, you're tempting him to sin. Because for him, that would be sin. And so Paul is saying, isn't it more important that you love that brother instead of you have your steak? Right? So Paul is saying, listen, if, if it's going to hurt my brother, I'll never eat meat again. Because it's more important to me to love him than to love myself and give myself what I need to. to. So, so listen, he says you can eat it, but if your brother's going to be tripped up, because we're all at different levels, right? We're all at different understandings. Listen, we can all be, be tempted to sin in a different way. And, and, and let me draw a kind of a line here, because there's also, we never want to offend people. We do, especially in this church, we definitely offend people's legalism. I have no problem offending your legalism. And neither did Paul. So as long as I'm not tempting you to sin, 
Um, you seen somebody up here with tattoos, and if that offends your legalism, you need to get over that. Amen? Because, because by seeing somebody up here with, with long hair, it's not causing you to sin to, I want to have long hair to go against God because we're better. No, you just think that the person up here should look a certain way, and you just think that he's not as holy as you are because, you know what I'm saying? So, so I have no problem offending your legalism, but we need to have, we need to be careful not to offend our brothers, to cause them to stumble. Amen? That's the whole, the whole point here, right? We, we say it today, and this is a very important point where, where most stumble in, in issues to Christian freedom, such as movies and drinking and music or television. And sometimes Christians will say, they'll assume one stance, they'll say, because I do less of that than you, that makes me more holier. No, it doesn't. You, you understand? So it's kind of, Paul says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. So what does matter is love toward those in God's family. Paul says, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Regarding the meats, regarding TV, regarding drinking or movies, whatever, you could be free to take part in it without a problem, and you might even be right in doing so. But sometimes... Being right is not as important as showing love. Not sometimes, all the time. Being right is not as important as showing love. Being right is important before God, and, but it's not more important than showing God. Amen? So it's easy for a Christian to say, listen, I answer to God and God alone. How many of you heard that one? Only God can judge me. How many people have that tattoo? <laughs> I see that everywhere. It's usually like the thuggest, roughest, only God can judge me. That is true. But we will answer to God for how we treated our brothers and sisters. So we need to catch that other side of that. Amen? We can't let our freedom become a stumbling block to our brothers. It has to be about love. And now listen, my haters and my legalists, you're going to chalk this message up as another love message. And you'll, you'll hear about it on Facebook. Oh, all churches want to talk about today is love. They don't want to deal with sin. They don't want to bring correction. On the contrary, I am bringing serious correction with this message. I'm bringing heavy correction. Life-changing correction. The message isn't, oh, God loves you and everything you do is fine. And you could do whatever you like. No! The correction Paul is bringing here, and I'm making a big deal about is, I don't care how much you know, you could be totally right in regards to your freedom, but if you're not edifying the body, if you're not building up your brothers, if you're not serving others, if you're not being mindful of your brothers and sisters, then you're wrong. You're way off, way off, and you're not acting like one of his. Period. You're not acting like one of his. Listen, here's better advice for you. Get your head out of the books and start walking what you already know. Andy, Andy Maneo in his song, he said, it's easy to be Mr. Read a lot instead of just being Mr. Be a lot. Whew. 
worship team, get on up here. You need to soften me up. Listen, I've, I've met, I meet many people and I talk to a lot of people that, that I know are smarter than me. I've had conversations and interactions with people who I know they might read more than me. They might have more knowledge than me. And honestly, in the past times, those people would, would trip me up sometimes. Anybody run into people like that? They want to analyze every little thing that you said and you did and every little and and they want to break you down and they want to say no 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 but you need to be and you have the the armenian and the calvinist and you have you have all this all this battle and all this fighting and honestly you know sometimes those things would trip me up because I, I i go home saying yeah you know that sounds right this is the way but then i hear another brother and i go yeah that sounds right this seems like the way oh my god and 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 then i realize i'm just being wishy-washy i'm not standing on something and and so 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 listen here's 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 what i do you want to know what i do here's what i've learned whenever i'm struggling with an argument that sounds convincing with a way of thinking that makes sense Besides taking it to the Lord, of course, besides prayer, besides going right to the actual word, I notice a lot of people like to read a lot of books and not a lot of word. And they figure just because the book has a lot of word in it, it's good. It, it might be, but, but so does... Anyway. So besides taking it to the Lord and besides studying the word, I look at the person and... If this person really knows the word, then, then he or she should be walking in the love that the word tells us to walk in, right? And, and so I ask myself, does this person act like he really loves God? Does this person talk like he loves people? Is he concerned with winning some or with just being better than some? And, and if this person has that track record of loving people, of being lovable, of walking, then you know what I do? That person becomes someone I share with. That person becomes someone whose theologies and thoughts and concerns I weigh heavy and, and battle with, you know, in, in, in a point of working out our, our salvation and working out our... But when it doesn't, when that person is always the, 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 but if this, but if that, but when that person is always followed by, by controversy and always followed by gossip and, and by tearing people down and by never encouraging someone, when that person is always about legalism and judgment and, and, and making people feel condemned, then, then Paul's words ring true. If anyone imagine he knows something, he doesn't know yet how he ought to know. Barnes, in his commentary, he puts it this way. The man who is influenced by love, ever pure and ever glowing, is not in much danger of going astray or of doing injury to the cause of God. The man who relies on his knowledge is heady, high-minded, obstinate, contentious, vexatious, perverse, opinionated, and most of the difficulties in the church arise from such men. So here's what I do. Those people, I give no permission to speak into my life. 
church, this is important. They have no authority to influence me. Now understand, I'm not saying nobody. Understand that I'm not putting myself like I know more. No, I said, if I see somebody that brings an argument to me and we can discuss the word in love and we can walk through, I love people like that. And I surround myself with people like that. But if this person just wants to fight about the type of wood that Jesus was hung on, it was a tree, it wasn't a cross, it was this wood, it had to be that, it was the wrist, not the hand, I don't care. He lived, he died, and he rose again. You want to argue about wood? Go to somebody else. Amen? You, you don't, see, you can't give empty people power to pour into your life. Because their lives are empty of love, their words are going to be empty of power. Amen? Church, the bottom line is we don't have time to waste. It is December 4th already. We have two more Sunday services and a Christmas presentation, and then a new year begins. While we're arguing about whether Jesus was really born on December 25th or not, some haven't heard of Jesus at all. While we're wasting time, some have run out of time. While we're measuring our wisdom, some are still in the wilderness. While we're dissertating doctrines, some are being indoctrinated by demons. While we're seducing ourselves in our little services, some are being seduced away by the pleasures of this world. Some are falling away. Some are perishing. Some are being deceived. Some are being destroyed. Some are still hurting. Some are still struggling. Some are still lost. Some are still searching. Some are right here amongst us today. Paul says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Can we stand, church? Can I challenge you, family? You're not going to make a difference in everybody's life. But you can make a difference in some. This morning we've been given something to really think about. So I'm going to ask this morning.